Afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. As ever, first points and prizes for the first person to tell me that the stream is working fine, especially because we've been having some technical issues at the starts of the stream, which does tidy up as it goes on. But um, if you're having some any glitches, can you hear me? Throw us an emoji in the comments section. I can't see your, your sort of likes only, unfortunately, although thank you for liking it. But uh, if you've got a comment, then please post it in there to tell me you can hear me loud and clear. There is a slight delay. And so uh, it's always useful for us to know that we're up and running, especially when it's such an important topic with such an important esteemed guest as we have today. Um, we're going to be talk because just because last week wasn't controversial enough. Um, we're talking about US politics this week and um, we've got Sandy on today and then we've got John Ware on next week because they have some contrasting views over these things as is important in politics. That's the nature of it. That's why it's fraught. That's why it's challenging. But also these things typically do matter and they also matter worldwide. You know, leaders of the free world and all that, as is said by of the US president. And therefore, it's important for us to understand it. I think we're going to have a general overview, but also it's going to be important for us to get into topics that are close to our heart on this show, such as healthcare and uh, understanding the contrasting things, especially we have some of a UK, somewhat of a UK audience, particularly on the on the live stream. It's going to be useful. And I want to see if any you guys have any questions for an American that is otherwise thoughtful on these topics and, and shares her thoughts fairly liberally on, the, on Twitter. And by liberal, I mean, of course, thoroughly in that, in that instance, rather than uh, uh, her bent. Although, of course, we'll talk about that as well. But anyway, I can bring you Sandy Hilton. Hopefully it comes up. Hi, Sandy. Hi. Hi. I could hear that quite well. Good, good. Well, it looks like the signal is stable and we're, we're good to go. We've had some, uh, some kind viewers that are uh, telling us that it's all loud and clear. Thank you, Kath. And a round of applause emoji from Ollie. That's pr possibly <laughs> premature. We'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, we... we and thank you for coming on the show to talk about this. And also, I wanted to start off by saying we've uh, we've known each other online for a while, and certainly you've been one of the first accounts I think I followed seven years ago when we launched Physio Matters, for example. Yet I feel like it is a more recent phenomenon for you being more political online. Could we start there and maybe talk me through why that might be, if that is truly representative? It is true, um, and we've talked we've talked about everything from pelvic health to. Um, Jeez, everything. Um, so polit <laughs> politics is perfect. Um, the uh, I used to be married to an army officer, and one of the unwritten rules of being a spouse with the military um, is that you don't have political uh, views in public. Um, you certainly wouldn't say anything that would endorse one candidate over another. Um, you could talk kind of general policy but nothing that could be attributed to anything else. Um, so it took a while, honestly, for me to get out of that habit and realize that I do have a voice that isn't censored by anybody else anymore. Um, that might be why. And there are some issues at stake right now that are really um, important to me as a healthcare provider. Right, so. no, that's interesting, certainly. And, um, and when it comes to then sharing your, your views on, on social media, that has naturally it's going to have it seems to have ramped up much like the rhetoric has ramped up generally so I, i'm not saying it's a surprise i'm not saying that your voice is you know it's one of many which yeah. felt like it's it's time that you want to speak up and not and not shelter those views well i think that that there's so many there were comments by people that i respect a lot about normalizing behavior and and so i think if i, I was thinking i'd go back into a search for when i first started this is not normal this is not okay um, about this current administration, because I I absolutely reject normalizing some of this behavior. Um, sure. And sure. I think that's really what started it is that 
silence implies consent and I do not consent. And so. do, you feel, do you feel in this instance that any of, of the Trump administration's behavior has been normalized or is at risk of being normalized? Because I suppose that's the difference in potential lens between our countries. But to my eye, there isn't a, a word he says that doesn't get uh, ridiculed, mocked, etc. Often rightly, by the way, but I'm just kind of meaning <laughs> normalization of him from, from day one. I think that... Um that is it, it is at risk of being normalized, that might be hopeful of me because I don't want it to be normalized. Right. Um, but this particular, for, I mean, I, I might people might not know this, you would have no reason to, is that I was a Republican for years and um, it's only in the Bush years with the Iraq war that I was like shifted into independent world. Um, right. And the, and I don't know, I guess we had more polite people seeking global domination. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, even with the Republican in 20, 2015, the Republican primary with the whole field of people, um, Trump certainly stood out as the one willing to use child nicknames and bullying and insults as a matter of course. Um, yeah. And yeah. I it's do it tell people, boring. As, yeah, as strange, like none. Like, that that did shift that did shift things on from being that there was a certain a certain manner of which things were were done. You think about what McCain and Romney you might have disagreed with on, uh, on policy, but fundamentally they went about things differently in how they came at their opponents, both in primaries and then in the general. Right, and it didn't start with Trump because like um, McCain had to stop people when they would say like the whole birtherism thing about Obama and yeah. he'd have to stop people at his rallies and say, stop, he's a good guy. We disagree on stuff, but we're not going there. Um, Trump just went there. So <laughs> that's, and embraced it. And, and right. people think that he's bold for embracing it, but sure. he'd be grounded in any, in any schoolyard, he'd be sent to time out. <laughs> and, and in any business that had some credibility, he'd be fired. So yeah, and and so do you feel that um, it is Trump the character, Trump the policies, or both that, that have then made you feel you want to be more vocally I against that, and then in, in on occasion then in favor of the Democrats in return. The behavior initially, because I couldn't get past the behavior to see the policies, um, and and my argument initially was that should not matter we can find someone that can enact policies that can also be an adult and um like i probably as trying to remember who i was planning on voting for before trump became the nominee um and i can't because it's like 400 years ago in yeah. covid world but there was one of them that i was planning on voting for before trump became the nominee um but yeah. no hard no on that someone asked if there's any snow in chicago there is not sadly but oh, hopefully wait. soon I tell you, I'm so easily distracted that I uh, I've just hidden the comments from my, my viewers. <laughs> but yeah, David said then he's now in Chicago. Got some uh, got some fans in. Sandy on board. Good to see you. Um. So yeah, but I, as I say, I've I've just had to hide them from my view because I'm I so easily that. distracted. So easily distracted. Um. In this instance, with with um with the because I can I can so comprehend where you're at so far, and then there's a difference. <sighs> Is it, is Do you want me to help you out here? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just thinking more, more, more. I'm interested in how currently, at the moment, you're, you're, you've uh, been, you know, unless I'm, I've missed something. Oh, very, very oh, much uh, supporting Biden for presidency. Biden Absolutely. So, so, so then when 
but is that is that how much of that is a vote against Trump and how much of that is a vote for Biden? It is a vote for civility and concern of other people other than just your own little group. Um, so it would have been, let me think, there is was not a Democratic nominee that I would not have been able to get behind. That's a sure. convoluted sentence, but yeah. um, that's fine. Biden, like, honestly, I was, I was hoping for Harris but because right, okay. um, I, I like her feistiness and, right. and I know she's going to fight for people. Right. Like for people, not for herself. She'll fight for people. Right, um, okay. So of the, Trump of is great the primary, for fighting for himself. Of the primary candidates, then you fancied Harris. And so you'll be putting yeah. here as VP pick, right? Yeah. Okay. okay that's um, What's the... Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, yes. I know that the Biden's going to... Well, he's already making people grumpy because he's talking to Republicans about cabinet positions. Um, but the, I, I know that he is going to not be, um, can I swear on here? Good, you can, yeah. Okay, he's not gonna be a dick. The Trump, <laughs> you know, it's like the whole Trumpism thing where you're more important than anyone else. Um, your views are the primary ones that should be codified into law. And if you think something is against your own personal beliefs, then no one else should be able to do it. Yeah, um, I think that's one that's the, not going to happen with Biden and Harris. Well, one of the things that I've noticed that people say that when they look at the landscape over the last say, 15 years and they think that how much because you mentioned decorum earlier and civility. No, you know, it's, it's hard to disagree with any of that, even if I was trying to forcibly be devil's advocate, of course. It's completely <laughs> degraded the, the general sense of it, and, with, and it's spilt over across, across many, many a border. But I'm just moving is there's an argument that the overtness of the lying and the egotistical nature of him, he's got gold buildings with his gold name on them. So it's like there's no, there's no denying the sort of centricity around that, that trying to self-serve. However, there's an mm. argument that that is so obvious, yet it's just an obvious manifestation of what is general US politics anyway. And that essentially that these overt lies, realistically, at least they're in plain sight. Some of the sneakiness, Obama having the charisma of George Clooney, uh, means that he gets away with lies that are then much more pernicious and then change things in a, in a way that, that people weren't able to recognize in order to stand up to. It's often an argument that really that the actual lies are only a different flavor. Well, if, we, if that's going to be true and we're stuck with lies anyway, I'll take lies that don't make people try and uh, emulate them. Or if they're going to emulate the right. behaviors that we get, behavior that is not uh, so cruel and mean as a point, like the people currently pretending they don't know that Biden has a stutter and making fun of his speech pattern right? Um, yeah. and calling and yeah, it, the, the, calling the, the, it dementia because he can't think of a word right away. Right. And then saying, well, I never knew he was a stutterer. It's like, oh, come now. Um, so, the cognitive decline argument, because that's another one, isn't it? That, that I think I have cognitive decline over the last eight years. So <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not sure that no one's free of that. Um, <laughs> No, because it's so caught up in the hype. I mean, there is there is a disregard for truth um, in this administration in general. I mean, Kelly and Conway started it with her alternative facts. Um, and we, we still have empirical truth. We still have, have um, norms of behavior that we're willing to accept as a society. And I, that's where it's like, this is not normal. This is not okay. I mean, are there any areas, no. 
are there any areas in which, say, the, the Biden-Harris administration, for them as people looking at their track record or what they're pitching in terms of current policy platform, is there anything there that you feel, although you know, on, on net balance you've been clear as to where you're voting, but where you feel you'd want them to move if it was to be in direction of your views and values? Um, clarity, <laughs> like really, what do you what what do you want to do? I think there's a tendency to really try and straddle lines to keep right. everyone happy, and there's a point where you have to make a decision, um, and then defend your decision. Um, so what I'm seeing right now that's frustrating is just a lot of let's keep everyone happy, and I realize that's not you you, you don't actually get to do that. You have to. <laughs> choose a direction and move forward stake a, stake a claim somewhere yeah and honestly that's been one of like i was i have been registered as a republican or democrat republican yeah that's what i am i'm gonna call it that i'm a republican um <laughs> the the democratic party tends to it's such a wide tent right it's like i mean on the republican side to caricaturize it politely would be um people that are either wealthy or trying really hard to get wealthy um conservative, I hate that word, um, far right religious extremists <laughs> to use their wording against the Muslim faith against them. Um, and um, the, you know, it's, it's really like same sex involvement is a sin. And then you get the, well, you know, we can love the sinner, but hate the sin, but we should never allow any same sex marriages or adoption or ownership of, you know, things. Um, like being able to visit your partner in a hospital. Those are all things that are on that far right. This is an abomination and America's lost its soul and we're fighting for the soul of America. That's what they mean. And then you get the other side that the soul of America is the ability for people to determine their own path forward. And, and even if you're not born to someone with a billion dollars, you still deserve to have a house. And that shouldn't be redlined to the point where you're never gonna get money from a bank. And it's a very big tent on the democratic side so it's sloppy and messy and i want to instill order in it <laughs> what's the what's the um so on the you've described the range on the republican party there and certainly i, I recognize that i think that's fair what's the what's the far left of the democratic tent that you might have i think the things i find real unrealistic on the the far left side is just a thought that there's going to be an, an uh, this this available amount of money to pay for all these really good ideas because it has to come from somewhere. And that's where I think it gets really, really fuzzy. Like, yes, I think everyone should be able to not, you know, like on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it would be fabulous if everyone on this planet knew that they would have food to eat, a place to stay that that they could sleep comfortably in and, and have healthcare when they need it. And how are we gonna pay for that? So my right. logistics side comes out and they, I totally agree, where's that money coming from? Because it's not gonna be free because I'm in healthcare, I still would like to get paid for my services because I have to pay rent and eat too. So there's a, a, a that's where I get into the, the the disagreements in policy. I think we, we don't have to be heartless, mean, scorched earth, prosperity gospel, right. and things have to get paid for them and we gotta figure out a way to do that. What about the sort of abolish the police movement and the nature of the because um, you know you were saying about sticking up for the, the little guy and yeah. uh, being less individualistic or egocentric I suppose one of the things I look at is that sometimes there's this policies that like that being floated that do nothing but but improve rampant crimes you know the only people that benefit from that would be the drug lords 
Yeah, so there's some layers to that. It's kind of like the abortion topic. Um, so if you want less, like so I live in Chicago, um, Mm. There's a lot of people getting shot in Chicago. Mm. And one way that you could have less people shot in Chicago is to have some actual gun laws that are put in place. And you'll hear people say, well, you know, Illinois has gun laws. Like, yes, but we have porous borders <laughs> with places like Indiana and, you know, other places where people can get guns really easily with no background checks or anything. Um, it's so just who would, too... Who would, who would enforce stricter gun laws if you abolish the police? Well, I think that that term is is really, really bad. And abolishing police, I don't think, is a good idea. Um, I but think that defunding is the classic term. Defunding the police yeah, that's weird too, right? Because everyone needs money. So if we could just change the words a little bit and say, how about they don't get fifty bajillion dollars, and we have some social, some of that money goes into some social programs, so that you have less hungry, angry, unemployed, usually guys on the streets doing stupid shit. Um, so, but that's what, again, it goes back. So it's like, like to, sorry, I'm rambling, but, um, rambling. if we, if we switch from that to, so no, I think, I think we need police because as we've described with our president, he has a disregard for rules and law and thinks that it doesn't apply to him, um, or his family. And that's not okay. Um, and, um, humans are messy and sometimes we need little barriers that are going to say, you know what, you don't get to kill your neighbor just because he shot your dog. Both are <laughs> let's let's sort this out. Um, but but if we figured out ways so that people weren't so angry and frustrated and short fused beforehand, that would probably have us need less police. Um, but abortion's the same thing. People are like, ah, oh, abortion's just murdering babies, and um, and and I wish all of that energy and effort could go into having there be no unwanted pregnancies. And except for that's never the discussion. It's, it's the, no. or rarely the discussion. It's, this should all be illegal everywhere. And and yeah. and if you don't like what your state's doing, just move, because that's not really easy for people that don't have three houses and decide yeah. which house they're gonna go live in. There's a couple, um, of, there's a couple, of, you've, you've touched on another issue there that I think was Brits, of, and I was definitely gonna get stuck into healthcare in a second, but um, the abortion issue is one that we Brits get squeamish on two fronts, really. It's like we can't really conceive and there isn't a, a viable movement anywhere near our politics to um, to outlaw or legalize abortion, especially early early abortion, early term abortion. Just it's something that really isn't in our, our body politic, really. It seems like a, a sensible thing that, that medical professionals can, can assist the process in which if there's an unwanted pregnancy that has occurred and it's been a thoughtful decision uh, that can be then safe safely administered however there's a similar squeamishness that can exist in which if if people were to to then infer that up to the day of delivery that you could then for reasons according to whatever it might be then decide to abort that that fetus even though it's otherwise viable now i understand in u.s politics there is the whole range of i've just described exists in mainstream politics right now it does, and some vast misconceptions about what that late-term abortion actually is, and the amount of times it happens, and for what reasons. Um, the legality of it's the when we talk about the we, we can talk about the legality of it as a separate thing to its incidence. It doesn't matter how often it might happen. And the wise, the wise matter though, um, because well, the wise do, but the actual act of doing it, if it's if it's legal to do it, the frequency in which people decide to then 
do that isn't necessarily as relevant than its, its legality, surely. Uh, I will argue directly in healthcare, the frequency that it's done isn't going to change. It just will be less safe and you'll have more maternal death. Um, but legality, um, that comes down to uh, uh, essentially a belief about when life starts and what what is viable and what should happen with that. Um, yeah. There is some science on when a when a, a, a baby inside a mom that could breathe on its own is viable. I can't pull that up right now, um, but. But there is a belief in some religions that life begins at conception. And so then there is no time at which it's okay. And they'll they'll argue that even birth control is possibly a, an abortifact. Sorry. <laughs> you, can, you might be aborting a fetus with birth control um, because they believe life begins at conception. So then birth control isn't even available. So they just gets backed up further and further to to, yeah, we can talk about the the horrendousness of what might go into a decision in the late term when a woman had already wanted that baby and abortion becomes into question, which is rare and, and flashy. Or we can talk about the, do women actually get to choose whether they wanna be pregnant or not? Or is that up to the guy? And um, what if the woman didn't wanna be pregnant? Why should she then have to be? And well, yeah, and as I say, I'm, I mean, the, the concept of outlawing the morning, what we call the morning after pill, as being a, an abortive act and therefore would be illegal, for, you know, within within hours of, of what might be a, a mistake, a broken condom or a, a lie, you know, <laughs> yeah, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. You know, you, there's just I can't even I can't even think of a way in which I could be a strong devil's advocate against that. You know, it's something that is so beyond, like I said, it's not even conceivable in our politics. However, I would be strong in saying that if, uh, you know, having had, you know, I've got two 10 month old babies and um, they were born four weeks prematurely because of the nature of what type of twins they are. But let's just say we consider their term to be term. If, um, if my wife had, had uh, decided to abort them a week before they were delivered because she decided that, as we've come to find out, it's going to be bloody difficult. Um, then that for me, whether, whether or not the likelihood of her doing that or whether or not there's a frequency of which is statistically relevant of women doing that for whatever reason, say we'd had a massive argument, say I'd a, I'd a, I'd a, I'd a left her stranded and with she these babies. That's right? it. I'm not keeping these little things. But she um, then decided to, that, that for me, the legality of her doing so is relevant there, isn't it? I personally think if the child can live on its own, then it should be able to. I'm saying that with a giant asterisk around it because there's there's probably reasons I would argue against what I just said. Um, the And again, I'll go, why is that the government's decision? Why is that not between her and her doctors and the baby daddy? And and consequences within that circle. Why is why is the government involved in that? And I will go back to because religion, 
because that's people wanting to codify their religious beliefs into law. But I mean, I'm, in this instance, I'm certainly not religious or coming at it from a... No, you're the dad going, hell no, I want but even with, But again, yeah. speculatively, some other circumstance. But as I say, it's it's reason I, reason I'm spelling this out is because it's something that fascinates me, just how broad the conversation is in America. And, and I'm not surprised that those that want to outlaw the modern after pill and those that want to legalize day before term abortion so are it, in a situation see, I gotta, where I gotta go, no, that's, that's actually not a thing. I mean, it's a really scary, like, boogeyman under the bed thing, but it's not, that's not a thing that happens. I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, what do you mean it's not a thing? The, 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 the right before you're deciding to, to or right before you could deliver that you decide to abort the child well, there was fairly fairly I mean, i'm not making this up there's a there's a strong movement in in favor i mean again if you want to talk about frequency i'm, I'm on about i mean about the legality of outlawing the morning after pill and then the legality of a woman choosing to abort a preterm just preterm fetus i'm talking about the legality of both those things are not in the okay. uk body politic and they are in the us body politic. i know but it, it's so tied into to like like a, a false equivalency of those things occur in the world at even close to the same rate. Um, so they should yeah, be separate. I'm not doing that though. Now am I? Yeah. I'm, no. You know, I'm not doing that. But it's just, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that that can exist, right? And I know that that's why it's not the fair. The discussions exist. Yeah. yeah. It's more that it's more that on a legal front, they can both they can both be condemned without us saying that they're both equally likely or equally viable or they would happen on equal frequencies which the 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 morning after pill i'm saying if you were to make the morning after pill illegal i would condemn it oh if, if you, you make the make, morning after pill illegal then everything is illegal and then, because if, and you then say, if you say if you, you say begins at conception then there is no period where it's okay because Absolutely. then everything's everything's yeah, off that's the what table. i'm meaning yeah i was meaning yeah. that the, 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 the i was describing that the extreme of that side of things absolutely yeah me, but i was just meaning that to, th to then make it legal for a mother to unilaterally then abort a preterm otherwise healthy fetus i'm saying that on legal grounds principle grounds rather than frequency grounds i'm saying that that both of those things just baffle me and make me squeamish well I'm kind of glad because I think this com the, the topic of, of life and how it generates and all of that should be something we take very seriously and that, that has an emotional draw to us. Um, and, and hopefully it's people who want to preserve life and, and also allow for some choice in it. <laughs> I'm going to straddle a line really well there. But, but that, that willingness to make um, all um, contraceptions illegal is part of the desire, and I know this having, like I said, grown up in the Republican Party and in Catholic schools, the the desire to have a birth control illegal, like condoms are okay because, because then there's no sperm ever getting inside, but right. for the woman to take any pill or use an IUD or, or anything, that that's illegal because you can't tell whether you're really aborting a baby. That is, that's like the gold star aim for the for those who are religiously convinced that life begins at conception hmm. yeah i mean um, it's just a, yeah, and as i say a, 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 nonsense, a nonsense to me uh we know, that can conceive of that i conceive of it religiously it was actually raised a catholic nominally um but it's something that i you know just 
it seems uh, so so far so far beyond the, the pale. But equally, it's interesting if we were to try and understand the sort of uh, what mass movements might exist behind policies such as that in terms of the likelihood of them being then codified oh. into law. I mean, I don't because this fight's been going on before I was born. I don't know of a time when there weren't people out there on the streets um, uh, arguing with pictures of, of fetuses being aborted on big giant placards um, to try and make a, women not go into clinics where, where abortions even happen. And, mm. and I mean, that's been going on my whole entire life. There was a, um, a clinic when I lived in Portland, uh, Oregon, the, um, I was in grade school, I think. Um, there was a, a group that was was killing doctors who did abortion because, you know, pro-life. Um, their argument was that if you killed the doctor, you saved all those babies, so it was worth it, um, literally. And and they got caught, and they were given. They didn't. They didn't actually kill him, but they got caught trying to bomb the clinic or something. Yeah. And um, they were given a choice between volunteering with a group that did abortion or adoption placement and trying to help these girls that were to carry to term and put their baby up for adoption and find a loving home and um, and going to jail. And every single one of them picked jail. And I was like, that was the beginning of my wait a minute. You're more interested in telling other people what to do than actually helping these women and helping babies once they're born. Hmm. Well, that um, feeds into what David said here, which is saying he said the GOP are pro-birth, not pro-life. Once you're born, you're on your own. Absolutely, they're birthers. That's the idea. Um, just out of, out of interest, because yeah, we, we, I know we're up to time. We'll just do a few extra minutes, just because I lost track of it, and I wanted to. <laughs> Took care. We, yeah, we 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 in the UK have the have the NHS, um, and that is that we have taxation-funded healthcare. What is the state of it in the US and, and what, what's your position on that? The state of access to healthcare in the US is a hot mess. It depends on how much money you have or if you're lucky enough to have a job with good health insurance um, uh, or you have a government job that gives you, yeah, I guess that'd be the same, government job with good health insurance or your spouse has good health insurance. Mm. Um, so if you don't have insurance and you're hit by a car and you are you, are you left on the street? Are you taken to hospital? Oh, sometimes you're left on the street, um, as happened a couple of years ago here in Chicago. Um, if you don't look fancy enough, I suppose, um, people might just go past you. Um, the I suppose if an ambulance drove past, I'm, I'm, I'm like, what? what's the... Uh, you would go, you would, you'd see an ambulance and just, you'd probably get a friend to take you. Or you'd, you'd see, I mean, if you were at all mobile on your own, you'd try and avoid an ambulance because they're really expensive. You'd have to pay for that yourself eventually. Um, right. And But if you were taken to the hospital, you would be on the hook for the cost of the ambulance ride. Any any things that were done would be your, your financial responsibility. Um, if you have Medicaid, which is the government program for um, low-income people in some states, there's very narrow rules of who can use it. Um, if you have that, then there are select hospitals that would treat you. If you have Medicare, the over 65, I think it is, and um, older or disability, there's more hospitals that would see you. Um, and you would, you would only be responsible for part of that. And then right. everyone else with insurance, it depends on what kind of insurance you have, um, whether or not you have surprise bills from out-of-network providers within that hospital. Um, yeah. 
So it's a hot mess. The health yeah. insurance world, the healthcare world is good, but they're not the same thing. Right. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say it's that, that trying to, how can you, because if, if Medi it's that if I was in the U S I can imagine there'd be nothing I'd be more passionate about than Medicare for all in terms of access rights. It just seems so inherent oh, yeah. to my politics. However, it's something that I do, I do worry for the world in terms of, um, U.S. is one of the areas in which innovation still exists in medical care. Um, Does it still? I thought we've off like. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, working in over the last care, years, do we know, still? The, the export of proton beam therapy that was unlikely to uh, the, the work that went into that, for example, in cancer care is something that I just can't imagine emerging from anything other than a fairly brutal market economy. So even though I feel like I'm, I'm agreeing that it's something that's decent, I do wonder about the fact that if the last bastion of sort of capitalist healthcare then fell, then would we be able to maintain worldly innovation across the world without a major adjustment? or at least being thoughtful about it because we are we are all beneficiaries of, of american exports in in, in medical ingenuity i think and uh, it doesn't mean we can't adjust i'm just thinking that sometimes we don't admit that sometimes because we we recognize it to be one decent part of it yeah and you know like like money certainly does play into that um i um Again, there's a lot of, of, of rhetoric around Medicare for all and what it means. And much like defund the police, what does that actually mean? Um, so you can go and, and, and John's got numbers, man. I mean, he looks at this stuff and he's like, well, 10% of this and that, you know, and he's like all into the finances, but it depends right. on which, which data you're looking at and what you're talking about for your definitions. Um, there's a, a term out there that, that if Medicare for all happened, and again, we have it already, we have pieces of that already in this country. So it's truly an expansion of what already exists. And there's at least three examples of socialized medicine in the US that's humming along for years before I was born, which is Medicare, uh, the military healthcare system, and what was the, the congressional healthcare system. Um, and, um, you know, so we already kind of have it, our, our government system, the medical military system and Medicare. Um, so if you took any of those programs and you expanded it so everyone would have the opportunity to be, to be part of it, I don't think that private insurance would go away and I don't think the, the, the capitalistic investment part of healthcare would go away. But what we would then have would be a safety net for people so they didn't go bankrupt when they got hit by a car. Um, or, or ended up with cancer or had twins or, you know, <laughs> The, absolutely well you, you, that's how to <laughs> radicalize me even mention twins um so right? no you're absolutely right um so we're, we're out of time i'm afraid thank you so much it's been fascinating to chat to you and, and maybe we'll do it again uh, maybe in the aftermath uh, we'll see what that brings um but um really appreciate your time as ever sandy it's always great and you're always thoughtful on these topics so thank you thanks a lot bye Thanks, everyone. And I'll see you tomorrow. I'm, I've got Brad Neal on the show talking about something rather different than this. He's talking about threshold concepts and what that means in MSK. What are our core threshold concepts that we all need to be credible and decent in? So we're going to be talking about that. And then, of course, John Ware's on the show to further this topic next week. And then maybe we'll have a back and forth. Maybe we'll have you both on for a third show. That'd be cool. It's going to be totally fun. I'm, I'm absolutely going to join in and watch that. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Take care. I'll see you soon.